1: arganissima new york your beauty is our duty
0: you are listening to let's talk about it with your show host the celebrity doc dr cheryl bryant bruce greetings everybody it's me you know me dr cheryl bryant bruce md the celebrity doc and i am here with my show co-host hisham Elamanti, hurricane h and we are chatters that matter let's talk about it this is our runaway talk show network embc tv and we are bringing to you shows that educate inform, and entertain you. Today's show is featuring none other than one of my high school besties, Commander Maureen Alexander, a.k.a. Alex Wright. And she is coming to us today talking about the five steps to inner calm. Alex is a naval commander who taught anger management courses, and she has handled just a truckload of military monies. So I'm going to bring Alex in and let her tell you a little bit more about her very interesting background, and then she's going to tell us all how to stay calm. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for that wonderful
1: introduction. Uh, You didn't leave out a whole lot, so um, I will say that I was a commander. I'm a retired commander now. Uh, I did 24 years in the military, and not only did I, uh, I didn't really do anger management in the military. I did uh, drug and alcohol abuse prevention, and I turned that when I got out of the military into anger management that I then taught in the prisons and did that for quite a while.
0: And there's a lot of anger in the prisons, no doubt. Yes, there
2: is. I think there's <laughs> anger everywhere.
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> now is nowadays they really <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> It's unbelievable. I'm sorry C- commander, I you know, I that that we had a discussion earlier and you know, you failed to tell me that part, so <laughs> I'll salute you for all, and I didn't know, doctor, <laughs> you too. For you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh
1: so let's see. So So I taught in the prisons, but I also taught in in the community where people were uh, sent by the court system where they had to go to so many classes. And what was really kind of fun was I had people who came into the class who didn't want to be there and then realized, oh, this is not just don't be angry and that I'm a bad person. This is a little bit more about who I am. And I had people who kept coming, even though they had already fulfilled all the requirements of their court order, they kept on coming to class, which was uh, very satisfying for me.
0: <laughs> their perception was that they were a bad person. So they, it, it wasn't about their anger. It was about an inner perception that they themselves were actually a bad person. Person. So it wasn't bad behavior. It's I am a bad person. Yes. And I think we see that a lot, especially, you know, uh, I've I've given parenting classes, and that's one of the things that we talk to, to parents about, because with children, when we're disciplining our children, if we are not careful about the things that we say to them, and even if we are sometimes careful about the things that we say, but definitely if we're not careful about the things that we say to them, they don't hear your behavior is bad, they hear you yourself are a bad person. So we have to be really very, very careful how... We deal with people and even not just children. If you are in a position of uh, authority and you have people who you're supervising, you know, if you're having to discipline someone that you're supervising, or even if you're giving constructive criticism to somebody that you're not supervising, uh, depending on how you say it, they don't hear your action is is bad or the choice you made is bad. They hear you are a bad person person. So what do you do to get around that?
1: Well, I just treat, I treated everybody with respect and encourage them to respect themselves. And probably one of the first things that I would talk about in, in class is I had people dropping in every time. Uh, I'd have like a new student every day, you know, every, every week that I would have my class. And so I started doing these five the five steps at the beginning of every class and then we would talk about whatever the topic of the class was because the topics um of the class anger is not just one thing i mean obviously anger is one emotion but the things that go into the anger are more than the one emotion you Mm -hmm. have to you know if you're a high stress person you're going to get angry a lot more often Um, Domestic violence, a lot of people think is anger management, and it's it's entirely different. It's a matter of control. And so we talk Mm -hmm. about that. Yes. When we ruminate and go over things over and over again, we tend to build up more than is really there and get angry, angrier than really the situation needs to be. If we don't know how to solve our problems, we get angry because we get frustrated and then we have a tendency to take it out on other people. Oftentimes we don't know that we are responsible for things in our life. And then it seems like everybody else is doing stuff to us and we get angry at that and angry at everybody around us. We'd have low self-esteem. And then we think that everybody's looking at us and thinking bad about us, and so we get angry just to be defensive to get to get off our backs. And then if we don't communicate correctly, like you were talking about uh, with the co- with the parenting, you don't use I statements and things like that, where you talk for yourself and you talk about people around you and you, 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 you. People get defensive and then they get angry and you're like, oh my gosh, everybody's angry. I've got to get angry too. So it's it's a whole bunch of
0: stuff. Within all of that, and I mean, you know, it's lots of different ice cream flavors. Yes. Um, within <laughs> all of that, isn't the underlying thread kind of what you said with the uh, abuse, isn't it kind of about Control isn't anger. A loss of control. Um, that's more domestic violence.
1: The anger itself is coming from more frustration, and the self-talk that's happening as a result of the frustration that turns into the the turns into the anger and
0: ter- it you know, creates in our body. But isn't I mean, isn't that? Um, isn't that, isn't frustration even about a lack of control. We get frustrated with things that we can't make go the way that we want, that we can't control. Uh, I I think, you know, we we all kind of have a need for an underlying control of our environment. And as much as we try to say that we're not trying to be controlling, we really want to be in control of everything if we can Well, and know so we, know we become frustrated when we're when we're not. So, isn't it all kind of an under? Uh, there, isn't there an undercurrent of control in all of it?
1: Um, there is definitely control. There are definitely control issues involved, especially if we're talking about between two people: who's in charge and who's in charge of me. And definitely, we want our own self regulation, although. Mm-hmm. I would say that many of the people in that first come into the class say, I can't help it and just get angry Mm -hmm. and I have to help them to understand that there is a moment where they can decide, but usually they just start seeing red and and have a hard time understanding all of this stuff. So we have to break it down.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in that case, it becomes an issue of self-control.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the the one, the first thing that you have to do if you're going to control your anger is to be able to recognize, and that is the first step recognize that you're angry. So you you do a body scan, and not everybody gets angry the same way. Some people, you know, ah, they do all that. Mm -hmm. Other people, Mm -hmm. you can just look at them and, you know, like steam, if you could see it, would be coming out of their head and they'd be seething but you know uh, you you can't see that so you know you just kind of look and maybe see a steel look in their eye and realize that they're angry and then you know everything in between so you need to become aware um the mayo clinic came up with three steps to anger management and then Mm i created a step before actually the awareness but you have to um you have to start with the first three and then you can add mine on. on. But the first step that the Mayo Clinic says is to recognize your symptoms of anger. You can feel it in in your hands. Maybe you can feel it on the back of your neck and really what's happening. It's your brain taking, you know, taking from your, uh, your thought patterns and that's where we get step 0.5, as I call it. <laughs> but um, your your brain, the primitive part of your brain, recognizes the thoughts that are happening in your thinking brain and responds. and You go into flight, fright, or what is it, freeze, where you are getting ready to fight that, that saber tooth tiger or whatever so that you can get out of there. But you know, maybe you're on an elevator and it's probably not appropriate for you to go kill the saber tooth tiger right there. But that's what your, your brain is telling your body to do. And it's not even involving your thinking part. And that's why people think that it's happening because you know, it has nothing to do with them. The, problem with that, though, is that it's really the thought pattern that happens before that then gives the message to that primitive brain to then respond that way. If they can control the thought pattern before, they can prevent the body to start reacting like that. Mm -hmm. Mm So, again, back to the three things that the Mayo Clinic says, you recognize your symptoms and then you take step two is to take steps to calm down. So right. one of the fastest things that you can do is deep breathing. Just start okay. breathing and do a breathing pattern. And what what the deep breathing will do for you, if especially if you're like doing square breathing or some kind of pattern. You it's going to bring you out of all that thought pattern that's got you angry in the first place and bring you right to wherever it is that you are right now because when you're breathing, that's what's happening right now at this minute, and it makes you present. You tend to, when you're angry, go up off in your head about what you think the other person is thinking or what you think the other person said or what you think they meant, and then you get angry. And the now, can you define over. for us what square breathing is? Sure. That's one of my, my favorite things to do. So square breathing is where you breathe in four steps. So that four sides make, make a square. And so the first step is you, but you have to be comfortable with not breathing also. So the first step is to breathe in and you count to, slowly to four as you breathe in. Then you hold your breath and you count to four, one, two, three, four. Then you let your breath out slowly, one, two, three, four. And then you sit there without any air and count slowly, one, two, three, four, before you start over again and breathe in, two, three, four. Hold it, two, three, four. Let it out two, three, four, no breath, two, three, three, four, and repeat as often as you need it to do.
0: If um, the, the and part actually makes you feel really, really good. I mean, I, I, I saw Hurricane was doing it along with you and I, I certainly was. And it's like, huh, I feel really relaxed now.
1: Yeah, I actually it told, told it to a guy that uh, I, I just met on the sidewalk and I was explaining it to him. He lived near where I used to work. And he ran me down one day, and he said, "Oh my gosh, I have to tell you, I have to go get dialysis all the time, and they're always telling me to calm down." He said, "I used your square breathing, and they were like amazed that I was able to calm myself down." Uh-huh. it's. I very, mean, it, it,
0: it actually powerful. was very, very relaxing, and I can see where that would work very well with uh, children and young people because mm-hmm. it's a very kinetic thing to do. And it, it actually, it's kind of like training a, a dog. Uh, you train the dog away from the bad behavior because they're actively doing something else. So they can't get into that bad behavior loop. So I can see where that would be very, very useful with anger management.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then one of the other things that we also tell them though, because especially with our people who, who are in uh, relationships, It may be that you need to get yourself away from the situation. Uh, We also make sure though, that it's safe for them to do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't don't want them maybe to jump in a car while they're angry and drive away, but to try to remove yourself from the immediate situation so that you can then take care of yourself and do what you need to do. Um, We've also encouraged people uh, to have like a, a what we call a go bag, where there are things mm-hmm. in the go bag that you enjoy, and we don't recommend any kind of mind altering drugs or anything like that because that's that's not coping. <laughs> that's that's
0: There's no Timothy Leary activity, huh? Yeah. yeah, no. But
1: you know, maybe you'd have some tea, or you know, just a, a soft pillow, or some music, or you know, whatever, and to take the time to just take care of yourself. And try not to think about what it was. And then maybe, you know, once you calmed down, you can think about wh- what's the appropriate way to deal with the situation. That's step number three, is to come up with a way that you can d- deal appropriately with the situation. Because you tend to jump to conclusions when you're angry. And so... You want to make sure that you um, get back. And I guess that's one of the other things that we tell them to try to do is if you're leaving, try to tell the person that you intend to come back because they're probably talking about something they want to when you're leaving. Promise them that you'll come back to this situation, but you need to take care of yourself and that it's very important for you. Uh, You want to talk about this thing, but let me take care of myself for a moment. So then you come back. And you now, agree-
0: what, what do you do? Uh, how would you recommend they respond in the event that they go through that whole process and the person with whom they're having the interaction won't allow them to remove themselves?
1: If the person won't allow them to remove themselves, ask, ask, ask them if they can just go to the other side of the room or something like that. You know, one of the things that you all, I, I also recommended though, was when they went to the class, I said, when you go home tonight, make sure you talk to your significant other and tell them, look, I'm working on my anger. Well, that that in in itself usually will make the other person very excited and, and happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but tell them one of the things that they went over was that they may have to move away from the, from what's making you know what's helping them to be angry, and make a commitment that I will want to take care of it, and I want I, but you're going to have to let me let me go. And make an agreement as to where is a safe place for them to go where the other person won't follow them. And to make that agreement
0: ahead of time. And I like that. I like the part of making it ahead of time because you're making it at a time when emotions are not elevated. And you can calm, come up with a calm plan on which you both can agree. And I actually see that work very well with children with autism uh, who, you know, we recommend that parents have a contract. You and I talked about a contract uh, just about a a week ago, have a written contract with our kids with autism. And one of the things that I found really, really interesting in working with them is that they would make the contract. And I mean, if a a child with autism makes a contract, they make a contract, they mean it. Um, But what I thought was really interesting was that they could process this very fully and that a lot of them chose as a safe place a dark closet with a pillow where they could kind of sequester and just make themselves, you know, very small and calm themselves. And I I thought that that was... um, interesting that they were able to to process that and i think that it is very effective i like your idea of you know make your go bag and take your pillow there's something about a pillow that is very comforting to most people
1: yeah so then uh, they want to make a, a plan for when they're going to discuss whatever this topic was and they need to make uh make a time that's agreeable to both people I said, just because you've come to the idea that, okay, I think I know what I, you know, how I feel and how I want to talk about it, doesn't mean the other person is ready. They you know, might, were probably very excited too, and they might not have taken care of themselves. And so they, they're going to need a little more time before they can talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then the third step is to deal appropriately with the situation. And I tell them that you always have three options, that you can go back and, and have a discussion. You can not go back <laughs> and have a discussion because you may decide that person is toxic and I need to not have anything to do with them. Hopefully you're not, you know, permanently attached to them some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my favorite is to learn from it. Mm. And so uh, what I recommended my extra step there is to do a reflection on what it was that made you angry. I also okay. recommend that people take uh, an anger journal. And the strength and power of the journal, You know, it doesn't matter how you do it, just a piece of paper, whatever, write it down, put it on the computer, write it down. Uh, I tend to like using actually your, your hand because you'll see the strength of your writing and you'll see your writing changes, you get less angry while you're writing. Sure. <laughs> so I, I really, pref- I, I recommend, uh, paper and analog version, but you know, some people are digital, so you know, let them go, do what but they I, need. To I know. mean, I like
0: the idea of the analog version because what you, uh, what you said there was important. The strength of your writing, and if you're very angry, you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on that pen or or pencil. The writing is probably going to be much less tidy. The strokes are probably going to be much heavier. And as you're going through the process and you're relaxing and your arm starts to relax and all, you'll be able to look at that paper and see the change in the writing. If you're you know, clicking on the keys, uh, I mean, you can be banging and thumping on the keys, but what shows up on that paper isn't going to tell you whether or not you were banging and thumping on the, the keys. And I think the beauty of that whole writing process is that if you keep it in a book or a journal, you are able to go back over time and see your progress and see your thought patterns uh, changing and see your management patterns changing because conceivably uh, over time, as you become better adept at managing your anger, the periods when that writing is heavy and and, uh, scrawling are going to become shorter because you're going to be able to manage the anger much more effectively, much more quickly. And there is gratification in seeing that progress that you made, that that computer screen is not going to to show you. I mean, it will show you in the words maybe, but it's not going Mm -hmm. to show you the physicality of that. And so I I think there is some beauty in that written exercise that you're proposing.
1: Yes. And additionally, the other thing that I I asked for them to do is to, look back after they've taken after they've done it for a while and look and see if there are patterns in how they angry. might find that this this one person that they tend to get angry with or a, a situation where they haven't prepared is how they find, how they find themselves angry. And so they can find solutions to preventing the problem in the first place. So if it's a person that you can avoid, you know, you just decide that you're not going to be around that person uh, as much as you can, and if you're with with that person, maybe you bring somebody else with you to to help. You know, maybe make it not be so directed at you the way that the thing, the way that the situation goes. But you want to look at these patterns. If it's preparation, maybe you will lay your clothes out in the morning so you don't have to figure out what you're wearing and find yourself late for work yet again and mad at the traffic because, you know, you didn't have enough time to do that. There are many, um, you know, just different patterns that you find, different things uh, over and over that, that tend to happen that you can look and see
0: once you've done your journal. So you have a lot of people who they've fallen into bad behavior patterns toxic behavior patterns that are negatively impacting them and of course with every action there's a reaction and so your your bad behavior results in a a consequence that you may not like how do you manage the person who is not able to see that all of these outer consequences are actually a result of their own behaviors but instead direct more toxic behaviors out at other people, lashing out at other people. How do you reel that person in and get them to accept responsibility for their own behaviors and to accept responsibility for the consequences that uh, they're experiencing? What do you say to them to get them to see uh, their the part that they're playing in all of that?
1: Well, um I guess it's different for the different person. Uh, I go back to, and and I've heard this a few times, hurt people hurt people. Yes. And so I, you know, and and I try to help the person to understand that that they're probably hurt in some kind of way. And and, um, I'm not qualified to, you know, do a dig around and find out what happened in their past and all that stuff. I can't, I cannot go there. But I can recommend that they maybe, you know, go see a therapist and see and find out some more information if if I cannot, you know, reach what they're doing. I have one of, one of my classes is about taking responsibility and we talk about what responsibility looks like. And that that's a whole that's a whole another class. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of lot of exercises in that class for them to take responsibility. I show them a, um, a taking responsibility framework that mm-hmm. that they use to to recognize what sort of things they need to do to to take responsibility.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then a lot of times when people are angry, Mm -hmm. they do or say things. um, I call it punching buttons uh, to punch somebody else's button to trigger their anger because they're angry and they want the other person to be angry too. And what I've observed is that people who punch anger buttons tend to have the same pattern of, of, of punching and they you know they know how to look for other people's anger buttons in a certain way. And so it doesn't matter who they're interacting with, they'll still punch those same anger buttons. What would you say to that person to get them to recognize um, the anger buttons that they're they're punching? their, their patterns of behavior that create, uh, anger in other people um, to which they may react because they perceive the other person as being unreasonable when it is really them that's punching the other person's anger buttons.
1: Yeah, well, I, I would say two things. Um, in the very first class, one of the things we talk about is the, you know, the the five steps and all that fun stuff. Um, but we also talk about the responsibility of being respectful to yourself and being respectful to the other person. And we go into more in the communication class how to talk to another person and it's very hard to push a button if you say I and talk about yourself. Right. And so you have to recognize who you are and who you are not that you are not the other person and if you talk about yourself you tend not to make the other person angry if you talk about what's going on for yourself because you own what you do yourself you tend to and and then you try to ask them to do the same now you know they didn't go to the class maybe they're not going to do it but a lot of times Um, You know, like uh, I'm really excited about organization. I'm always trying to get a little more organized. And one of the things that the organizers say is, you know, um, they have customers and the customers say, I want you to organize my husband. I want you to organize my kids. And the organizer says, look, you're the one who called me and we're going to organize and they're going to see the change in you. And they're probably going to ask you, what's different about you? I've noticed that you are more organized now. It's the same thing with the anger. They will notice you used to fly off the, off the top, but, you know, just if you just winked at, at you wrong. And now right. you're taking a moment. You know, I, I see that you're, you're kind of calm. And if you do get angry, you, you go to your happy place. You seem to be handling it. I think I would like to know, wow, what did you do?
0: How did you learn that? Mm-hmm. Right. And I actually, when I'm working with clients, I uh, I also uh, counsel them that, that if they make a change in their environment, their entire environment will change with them now sometimes it isn't in the way that they want and i you know i counsel them to you know to be cognizant of you know to be cognizant of that that there is a possibility that it won't go the way that they want but that whichever way it goes it could still be a healthy choice for them if they're making a healthy choice for them managing their anger managing their 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 food intake you know whatever it is they're managing for the betterment of their health um that change is a positive effect for them and if the environment because sometimes other people in your environment they thrive on the toxicity and if you change that uh, environment to to decrease that toxicity sometimes that other person Chooses to leave because they want the toxicity. They don't want your calm. They don't want your happiness. They need that toxicity because they've got their own issues to work with. So I do counsel uh, my clients that sometimes those changes, you know, some changes are for good. And even though they may not be the outcome that you initially were going for, they can still be a good outcome for you if you've done what's best for your own health, be it your physical health or your mental health or your social health, whatever that, that health may be. Um, you have to keep in mind what your goal is. And if the changes in your environment um, are not exactly what you would have liked to have been, you have to be able to step back and say, but did I achieve the goal I was going for that is actually going to better my health? So uh, you know that's uh, that's important too. But they do, uh, you know, it is important that they understand that if they do make a change, that in that change is very likely to impact the entire circumstance around them.
1: That is very true. Uh, One of the things that I I um, do to help with that, though, is, and I'd like both of you to try this too. I want you to cross your arms, cross your arms and get comfortable. Okay. You doing it to Hurricane? Oh, he's always crossed and comfortable. <laughs> this, is, this is just me. That's, that's his stance. <laughs> Chill. Okay. So now what I want you to do is switch it up. Do it the other way. Okay.
2: Yeah, Say, how annoying. does
1: that feel? feels odd,
2: doesn't it? Well,
0: it's not not fair for me because I'm actually ambidextrous, so it feels the same. But yes, for most people, yes, that does feel odd. It feels odd,
1: but it doesn't hurt. And that's what change is like.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It feels odd until you do it a lot. And then, you know, it's like I've done it so many times in the class that it doesn't really feel any different to me either. But Mm -hmm. that is what change is about. It's uncomfortable and so we tend to revert back to what's comfortable and you need to just keep doing it until it becomes comfortable
2: so, so I, I i i did, did want to just interject with one thing um the role of of pride and ego i think i think that's a huge piece because mm. the, i think the problem that you know and i, I you talked about awareness and trying to, to identify the triggers and but but i think the biggest that I think that I see all the time is people are not willing to walk away from situations. They just like, you know, well, I am right. You know, it's always about me. And you said the me me concept and, and their ego is just so high that they're not willing to take that high road and just move away. And then you have the other one. Even if you do that, the other one is like, where are you going? Come back here. <laughs> we, we're not done here. And then that keeps yes. escalating. And that's I think a problem because to be honest with you, Discipline is a big deal, and that's unfortunately not something that people usually have when it comes to their pride. It's just that you talk to me the wrong way, like, what are you looking at? What's up? And this and that's just, you see this all the time for nothing. You, you see something escalating from zero to like 200 miles an hour in <laughs> two seconds, and someone is like already like all over the place, like you said, fuming, smoke coming out it's it's dangerous right. and but. you
0: really see it nowadays you know with the with the younger group they're like well he dissed me he dissed me everybody dissed me <laughs> you
2: know? high, school, high school high school is crazy of, i
0: had a yeah. lot of people like that in my
1: class and what i t- talked about before let's see i'd I like to review my my steps <laughs> okay so the <laughs> first step. step the first step was to become aware of your symptoms of anger now, let's go back into the point five that I added. Your steps to anger is how your body responds, but why is your body responding? Your body is responding because you have a thought pattern. Now, when we talked about that prideful uh, talk and, and, you know, I'm right and all that, that's usually very low self-esteem speaking really large, so you don't notice the the very low self-esteem. And so you need to uh, identify what the self-talk is. The self-talk may be, you know, they're going to disrespect me. I've been disrespected. I don't want to be disrespected anymore. They need to understand what thought patterns they have that buy into them getting so angry. So... I tell them in addition to finding out what, you know, what, how your body reacts, try to figure out what your thought patterns are that are telling you to be angry in the first place the, the, that says that you don't want anybody to disrespect you, re, disrespect you. I mean, you have to look around and take in what people are saying to figure out that they're disrespecting you. And you know, one of the things I tried, I'm sorry, I'm shaking everything. One of the things I tried to t- tell my children was, you know, when you go out into the world and you're all worried about what everybody else is thinking, well, that's exactly what they're th- thinking. Oh my gosh. How is everybody going to see me? What what are they going to think about me? They're not mm-hmm. thinking about you whatsoever. They're so right. busy thinking about themselves. And so the self-talk that you develop is because maybe in the past, a bunch of people did a bunch of stuff now to you. But what's happening to you right now? What, what is really going on? You, you carry that chip on your shoulder that creates all this anger for you. And other people respond to that chip
0: on your shoulder. You need to learn how to take that chip off. Or you're, you're carrying that chip around and, and you're bringing in all of this negative energy that people are putting out there that isn't really there. Because if you ask the people in the room, they didn't even notice you were in the room. But you mm-hmm. created all of these backstories that this person was thinking this and that person dissed me because they looked at me crazy. And the person that looked at you crazy actually never saw you because they were looking at a person on the other side of the room behind you. But in right. your head, you've created this whole dialogue about what this other person is doing to you because of all of those big old chips that you're carrying around on your shoulders.
2: Mm-hmm. What 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 are you ladies are dis- describing right now is similar to like when you hear bullying. I mean, it's like bullying one-on-one. I mean, people are mm-hmm. just feeling something and they're reacting and that's how they compensate. And then they go after everybody because they, mm-hmm. that's how they, they, they show that they got it and, and and therefore they just go crazy about it. And then they affect everybody. And then I think on the flip side, the other folks are completely avoiding the, these folks. And that keeps the trigger going because like, mm-hmm. why am I always like, you know, in the same position where you actually alienating everybody because your behavior is not helping and you're escalating all the time and people are not going to be around you because they just don't want to deal with that. And, and, and that's a big problem. But so, so I have one question about like every other problem that people have, right. You know, how do you, I mean, like if I had the problem, right, typically I am not recognizing the problem or I'm probably in denial and I'm not going to seek, you know, help because right. I, that's difficult for someone to, right. it's like having alcohol or any other drug addiction, you know, uh, I'm not going to go seek the help. So it is, how do we help people? I mean, Uh, identify that and maybe guide them to like, go, Hey, seek the help. I mean, people, sometimes they don't even want to go there because the minute they start talking, like, what are you talking about? I don't have any anger management. They get excited, you know, and, and where do you go? Exactly. I would tell you that uh, (laughs) having, having taught an anger management
1: class, that was the big question. I, I have to tell you, I think there were probably maybe two people that actually decided to take the class just on their, on their own, actually with a lot of encouragement from their significant other. But most everybody that was in my class, not counting the ones in prison, they just had to go to the class. Um, but the ones that I did in the community, they were there because they had gotten in trouble with the law and the law said, you've got to go to anger management classes right. uh, if you want to, uh,
0: you know, not go to jail. So they right. did. They so how really, do we really to yeah, come? So how do we reach the person who has not been ordered uh, to to go to anger management before they get into trouble? How how do we get that person to start on
1: this journey? Well, best I could tell you is you have to use your uh, your ability to negotiate. And uh, get that horse to the water. Now, what, are they going to drink? <laughs> I don't know. You got to make it worth their while.
0: Well, yes. Are they going to drink or are they going to poop in the water? You know.
2: <laughs> well, I think I, I think the the fear factor does apply because, to your point, when you know that this is this is not going to wind up well, I'm going to jail. I'm, you know, this is going to be bad. Divorce. Yes. You know, maybe yes. my my kids are taken away. All those things. If if someone is aware that this is the outcome that's going to happen if you keep this this particular behavior you know people are not going to stand you and eventually they're just going to walk away from you or they're going to push you out and right. uh, or you're going to wind up again either sometimes that's you get anger or that god forbid you know or, you get into a fight uh, yeah, it, i mean we, that's
0: the biggest consequence i mean you think about these people who are in gangs and you know they keep escalating this stuff and then someone ends up dead
2: Well, you can be like, you know, uh, in the street screaming and someone, you don't know, he's got a gun, she's got a gun, they pull a gun on you. We, we, it happened. It's not something that we have not heard of, you know, uh, most recently people like somebody walked by somebody's house and they escalated, and the guy shot the guy and there was that it is, it is is so, so you're, you have to be aware that, you know, you gotta, but again, to your point, somebody that has this, they are not aware that they have it they just basically i don't have an anger management what are you talking about i'm good right you know, this is just right. me you know getting excited <laughs> me talking right you know but but there's a difference between me talking without anger and there's there's a big you know when i'm really like you point earlier smoking and you know everything is like my 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 blood <laughs> veins are like popping up that's a problem uh so so i wanted just to add to ask one question and i love by the way that that whole thing about writing earlier because that is distracting i think it just takes you away as you write stuff you know you just mellow down and it gives you and you sit down so that that's going to help okay. sitting down is always good but like okay. you know i know for example we make a joke in the fitness world hey listen go go drop grab a bag or something and stop punching and kicking the bag get it all out you know any of that. i'm sorry I said, go bust rocks. Yeah, exactly. Something, just just do something and get it out of your system. Is that even a, a practice, actually? We, we say it in general, but Alex, in your experience, is that something that, that, that is recommended? What do you mean? Like if someone, you know, like, like wit- join a gym, you know, get into martial arts, get into something where you can learn discipline and also get your anger out. Channel that energy. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's also um, another way to do it. You know, one of the things that we talk about um, in, in anger management is it's not just the anger. You need to have all kinds of tools in your pocket. If you have, let's see, what's the one that I like to use? If the only tool you have is a hammer, which we'll call anger, then you will treat everything like a nail, So here you have a board that needs to be sawed. You're going to hammer it to death with a nail, hoping that it's going to break. You have a screw that you want to put in. You're going to hammer the screw in because the only tool you have is a hammer. It's not going to be appropriate for all things. You need to have a lot of different skills. Some Mm -hmm. people just get angry because, hey, it works, you know. And, you know, the, the emotion anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. I mean, the world needs to get angry about some things, right? There are horrible things that happen, and we need to be angry to stop it. We can't just be quiet and just let it happen. We have to get angry and do something about it. Mm -hmm. But we need to recognize when it's appropriate to do that and when it's not appropriate to do that. You know, when your spouse does something you don't like and you blast them, You know, that's not necessarily building up your relationship. If your spouse does something you don't like, you use some I statements and tell them how that that makes you feel. And what can we do about this in the future so I don't have to feel this way anymore? And then that becomes a discussion rather than you did, you did, you did, you did, you did, you did. did, And it's a big fight and nothing ever comes of it. How
0: about we statements? Wow. I mean, because, and, 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 and the reason I asked that um, and it's just kind of a novel thought that popped up. Cause I know that I've, I've, I've preached the I statements in, in the past too, but I, I, the reason I asked about we statements is because in a case with anger and again, you know, there's that control thing. My mm-hmm. concern being that the weaker Party or the non angry party, and especially in the case of uh, an abused spouse, the abused party, by making the I statements and and taking it to the I statements, the other person could see that as accepting responsibility for everything that went on and could see it as a position of, of weakness. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying,
1: but when I'm talking about the I statements, what I mean is how you feel. You talk Mm -hmm. about how you feel and how different things happening made you feel. Those are the I statements. Yeah. And, and, and,
0: you know, that's what I'm saying. Responsibility, taking responsibility for their feelings. Right. But in, in the case of abusive spouses, say, for example, a lot of times that is actually flipped against you. And that becomes, see what I'm saying? It's always
1: all about you. I tend, I tend not to talk with the, with the, um, with the victim, with the victim, the major thing that they need to think about is their safety. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it really doesn't matter how you talk to that, that raging person, um, all the i statements in the world are not going to slow that person down you need to just think about your safety and not try to model good behavior for, for that person that that person needs more than that that okay. is not, you know that is they need to be safe they need to have a room where they can be safe um yes. you know they need to get out of the house possibly yes. we need different that's that's a whole nother ball of wax mhm mhm Okay. Yeah, I, I usually have the abusers in my class, but I didn't do okay.
0: anything, you know. I have that <laughs> right. And that uh that is a tough job, yeah, getting them to take responsibility for mm-hmm. but yes you did. <laughs> yes you did do something. So, that is a tough uh, job <laughs> so, and and I applaud your your efforts because I mean that that really is um a difficult job because I'm sure as you are working with them and you know they're not perfectly calm in in your class either because they're angry and I'm sure that a lot of them punch your buttons too so how do you maintain your own calm when they when they trigger you
1: well, the thing is, punching buttons usually requires a person to know somebody fairly well so that mm-hmm. they know what it is that bothers the person. Um, mm-hmm. I find that uh, in, in the class, when people, you know, try to get my goat or whatever, I recognize that there's something in them that needs, needs something. And I just turn it around and ask them, what is it that you need in this moment? You know, because it has nothing to do with me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I think that's the the key because, I mean, we all have our triggers. I mean, you know, we all have things that can be said to us um, that may not have anything to do with what's going on at the moment, but that can trigger emotional response in us. And I think that is the, the, the key point that you just made is to remember that no matter what was said that may have triggered you this has nothing to do with me don't own what it is That's that exactly. they're going out there you know because one
1: of one of the examples that i that i give them is i said let, let's say you're you know talking with somebody and all of a sudden they say you know i think that you are A really awful person and I especially don't like your green hair I don't understand why you have green hair I just think that that is the dumbest thing in the world and I said you know if you don't have green hair you're wondering well what's wrong with that person why do they think my hair is green I mean those are the thoughts going on in your head and you don't buy into it you have to participate You know, don't let somebody control you. If you let somebody control you, if you let their words affect you. Yes.
0: And that's that's a good point. I mean, that is key because regardless of what they are saying, these are just words. And I mean, I actually not too long back, um, months back now, um, actually had that experience where I uh, was in a discussion with someone and they wanted to hurt me. And so they were throwing all of these words out and these things that were hurtful and and could have been hurtful mainly because they weren't true. But then there came the point and, and I, and I initially started to act, they were, they were punching my buttons. They were starting to trigger me. And then, you know, they turned around and when I started to react, they said, See there, see how you are. You're crazy. And that's like a dash of ice water in my face. All of a sudden, I was like, you're right. I am crazy if I'm responding to this because this is a crazy conversation that has nothing to do with me because none of this is is true. So at that point, I made the decision I'm going to shut this down. These are just words. I don't have to participate in this. These words can't hurt me. And I mean, it's it's what we tell our children. Sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. They are words and the emotional attachment that we put onto them, we make the decision what that weight is. And they're just words until we attach an emotional weight to them. They have no meanings you know and i mean we see it we see it in the the language um now uh the young people are using words that were perceived as curse words when we were younger and it was like oh my you don't say those things and now they say them as just part of their 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 lingo and you know they're talking with each other and joshing with each other and all of this language is flying around and the adults are going Oh, my, they're cursing. This is horrible. (laughs) And the kids are going, what are you talking about? That's just how we talk, because we've assigned different weight to those words. And so in situations of anger, you kind of have to decide whether those words have any real meaning. And a lot of times when people are angry, they are throwing words out there that shouldn't have meaning. You know, they're just things that they're saying to be hurtful because they think that you will put that weight on those words, and you have to disempower that situation by allowing them to just be words and allowing them to just fall.
2: Mm-hmm. But, but, doctor, you know that that's the, that's the best way to deal with it. But unfortunately, the person that's that's making those statements probably is going to react worse now that you just didn't you didn't buy into his or her concept right you just kind of like you know waved them out and it's like you just you yes. just were like yes. I it went right through me and now they get all escalated because like yes. how the hell yes. i couldn't get through this person right and that's yes. like you know now we're we're actually yes. going three three levels up that, yes that's a difficult you know scenario i mean that is, you're doing the right thing, but but sometimes some people, they just don't end there. They just, that's when it gets physical and they get that to another And that's when you board.
0: have to step away. That's when you yeah. have to step away and put uh, space in between the, the two of you. I mean, because by not being triggered by those words, um, you're attempting to, to de-escalate. But if that person is in the mode where they want to punch those buttons, and they want that fight, a lot of times there's nothing that you can uh, do about that. And that was that situation that Alex was talking about earlier, you know, where that's kind of an abusive situation, that's the bully, and they're not going to deescalate because they want that fight. So the best thing you can do with that is to remove yourself.
2: if you can. <laughs> so so <laughs> Alex, I have one one question about the the common denominators that you find in in most of the students because there's gotta be something that is pretty much kind of unique or at least common across the board that you know I mean there's triggers this stuff but either their upbringing maybe pe- abuse in in the past maybe something maybe work stress maybe psychological you know issues any one of those are there any traits or something that is specific that you've that you've come across during your I guess, tenure as, as, as someone who teach, you know, these, these processes and, and help you.
1: Yeah. I, w- I would agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, and, and hmm, it's kind of like my whole, whatever it is that I do. Um, I get the sense that a lot of people um, didn't have the best upbringing and through no fault of theirs, you know, I mean, they were born like everybody else, and they lived their life. And for whatever reason, maybe somebody didn't read to them, or, you know, they had trouble in school, or, you know, they were the baby of the family, or they were the, the uh, um, oldest, and they had to take care of all the, the other kids, you know, just different things happen. And I, you know, it it probably wasn't probably in the best way to do it, but I always felt like I was going to be a mom to all these people. <laughs> and without uh-huh. letting them know that I was momming them, um, uh-huh. I, was, I was helping them, you know, to do things like I, I wanted to make sure that they had uh, experiences that maybe they missed when they were children. Like one of the, one of the things I used to do. Uh-huh. Um, when we would have our letting go class, I wanted to give them a physical uh, experience. And so what I had them do was to write uh, something that they want, they, that they needed to let go of on a piece of paper. And then we stuck it on a helium balloon and I took them out into the parking lot and we let balloons go. And I told them, watch the balloon, watch it until it disappears. And so they would have that physical memory of, of whatever it was that they had, had, you know, written on that thing going away. And any time that it came back to them, that they could then again, remember it floating away and see the balloon go away. Um, and so I, I treated everybody like, you know, they were one of my kids, and they had just missed Some of this stuff going up, you know. In communication, maybe your family didn't talk right, or maybe you know, wherever it was you grew up, they didn't talk nicely to you. They were they talked down to you. They didn't treat you like like just a smaller human being. And Mm -hmm. so, my my goal was to make each person feel heard, and that they had something valuable to say that whatever experience they had had, had brought them to today and that they had their choice as to what they were going to do with that. They could carry it carry it around like a suitcase or they could acknowledge that it's experience that I had and do something with it. And that was their choice to make.
0: And I think that that is um, a good point. Again, it comes down to the weighting of of things, Um, the weighting of experiences. Technically, there really are no bad experiences. Every experience that we have is something that we can use and, and an opportunity for us to learn something and to carry it forward. So although... You know, the situation may have been hellish while you were in it. I think it's important that once you move past it, that you see it as a growth experience, as opposed to carrying it around in the suitcase of bad experiences. So, Alex, if there is there any. Well, you've given us five points. But, uh, you know, is there any particular driving point that you would like to leave our audience with um, as a way to be in their calm and the significance of their calm? And I will take this moment to say that the importance of finding that calm, this is a show about, about health, and managing your anger is a very important and healthy thing to do because of the things that happens with angers is it incites a lot of chemical changes in the body and all of those chemical changes are toxic changes and those toxic changes create inflammation and inflammation creates disease and Mm -hmm. disease oftentimes leads to death so uh you know we want to to get rid of those things that incite the inflammation in our body and being able to manage those things, being able to manage our, uh, our anger and our inner emotions is really a key to good health. So, you know, is there any one major, if you didn't hear anything else I said tonight, I want you to hear this. What is, what would that takeaway point be? The takeaway point would be
1: to be present in the moment and not get caught up in all the things going on in your head that are telling you what's happening. To concentrate on your breath and do some sort of breath pattern I talked about square breathing. I would tell them to research it, do uh, long long breathing. You want to breathe, let's see if I can remember right, breathe out longer than you breathe in, whatever that is, and that will calm you down. If you do it the other way around, that will warm you up and excite you. So you, that's what you tend to do when you get angry. So you want to breathe out longer than you breathe in. And... Or, or you can do triangle breathing or nostril breathing. There's many things you can do. Research it and find out what, what fits best for you because that will always center you and calm you and will also physically change you and reduce all those negative chemicals that are going through your body. That is probably the quickest thing that you can do. You might have to move away from where you are to do that But I recommend that you do that. You can do that without any kind of uh, equipment. You can do that just about anywhere. And I would highly recommend that.
0: And that actually triggered a thought in in my mind. Um, You know, all of this stuff is kind of programmed into us, you know, in our DNA naturally uh, in terms of how to manage ourselves. And, you know, what you said about the, you know, the the longer breath in being warming and the the longer breath out um, cooling and calming. I wonder if that's the reason why we sigh. (laughs) I mean, because we naturally, uh, you know, particularly when we get upset, we have a tendency to sigh and, you know, you'll be like, well, okay, what's wrong with you? Because I hear you doing all of this sighing. Is that self calming behavior?
1: I believe so. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well, you know, there you you have it. And, uh, you know, breathing is so important on so many levels. But, uh, you know, clearly breathing is one of those ways that we can help to manage our emotions. And this has been wonderful. You've given us a lot of information, some good tools. And, you know, I mean, everybody knows that they do not feel good when they're angry. And we all want to basically feel well, and we all want to be in our, our happy place. And you've given some very, very nice steps to help people improve their health by taking them to their happier place. So we appreciate you bringing that. And I'm lucky to have my bestie on the show. It takes me to my happy place. <laughs> So Hurricane, is there anything you would like to ask or, or add to this conversation before we wrap it up?
2: No, no. Just how do we have our audiences reach out to you for your services and how they can you know, communicate with you and where they can find your information?
1: Say that again?
2: Where can people go and find your information and reach out to you to use your services and work with you if they need you know, uh, to be assisted with, with the anger management piece?
1: Well, I have to tell you my uh, website's down at the moment, but they can email me at alexempower44 at gmail.com.
2: Perfect. We will have that on the description of the show so people can actually certainly, you know, reach out because this is powerful stuff and, you know, a lot of people are dealing with this this is not you know i think everybody has some sort of <laughs> a level <laughs> of anger that we all can oh, control something you know we all have yeah. you know so i think you know it depends on what I degree but i think sometimes we need someone that's an expert to guide us through this and i think you are the best for this you know and i hope that some people that are listening right now watching you know if they see someone Maybe not themselves, maybe someone else that they can help. This is a good way to actually guide them and, and, and send them your way, Alex. And and, and keep up the great work. Cause I mean, I know you're helping a lot of people. Because when you help someone, I guess, and to, to to become better it impacts everybody around them and the society as a whole so so the impact there is just you know one at a time and that's that's a it's almost like a, a nice little wave of of goodness that's going through so I that's absolutely all I have. <laughs> absolutely
0: and i and i'd like to say uh, for everybody out there listening as hurricane said we all are going through it i mean it doesn't matter how wonderfully glowingly happy your life is there is going to be a point when you're angry about something or, or other. And when life isn't perfect, so an anger management class is something that every single person on the planet can actually benefit from, because the more that we're able to manage our own emotions, and the more tools that we have to, to do that, then the better we'll be at moving through our our world smoothly so there is no shame in your game to reach out and and seek counseling um, to seek anger management and just think of them as tools in your chest of, of behaviors for having a positive productive life so I may be a little biased because I work with her regularly and I have seen the benefits of her work and I, you know, I've seen the, the, the calm, I mean, she's a a wonderfully calm lady and don't let the the calm exterior fool you because a lot of people (laughs) will look at people like Alex and say, oh yeah, but your world is perfect. But she has been through her trials and tribulations and used her own tools to help to give her uh, that, that calm. So nobody has a perfect life. And even though you may be going through some difficulties, don't feel like you are the only one or that anything you're going through is insurmountable and can't be, be helped reach out for the resources. And Alex is definitely a wonderful reach. So Alex, again, thank you so much for, for being with us. We will put all of your information on the website so that people can reach you and uh, I'll be very happy to hear what you say when we have you back on the show in the future. So thanks for joining us and to our audience. Thank you also for, for joining us. We hope that our show has been of benefit and that it has educated, informed and Entertained. This is Chatters That Matters. Let's talk about it. We've had our guest, Alex Wright, Commander Maureen Alexander, and I am your show host, Dr. Cheryl Bryant Bruce, MD, the celebrity doc, here with my co-host, Hisham Ellen Mati, Hurricane H, Chatters That Matters. We'll see you next week. Bye.